You're listening to the St. Mark's Podcast for September 26, 2021, the 18th Sunday after Pentecost. Today's sermon was given by the Reverend Peter Walsh. It's based on Mark chapter 9, verses 38 through 50. Good morning. So today we have Jesus as teacher in a chapter in the gospel on teachings on discipleship, and we get three proverbs. The first proverb is the proverb of the unauthorized exorcist, right? Where John, the son of Zebedee, is not too keen on somebody prophesying who doesn't belong in their group. And remember the calling of the disciples. We have Peter, James, and John, and they're all fishermen together, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which later Jesus uh, nicknames the sons of thunder, when they want to rain down the fires of of Gomorrah on top of the Samaritan peoples because they've showed disrespect for Jesus. And Jesus makes fun of them by calling them sons of thunder. It's one of the pieces uh, in the scriptures where Jesus' sense of humor comes out, though we don't read sense of humor into Jesus, but it's it's there. The second piece uh, after the sons of thunder is uh, Jesus as a fire and brimstone preacher talking in harsh uh, hyperbolic language about self-mutilation and the fires and maggots of hell. Jesus is trying to get our attention and there is something of that on the podcast that the three of us are doing uh, and perhaps you might catch up on that also. Then the third sayings are the sayings of salt which are considered the hardest to understand uh, in the New Testament of things that Jesus had to say. So when I looked at this I thought oh what a preacher's delight. I feel like I'm in jeopardy, hard sayings of Jesus. And so today, I'm going to choose category three, sayings that no one understands. So today, it's sayings on salt and what it has to say a little bit about our salty congregation. Now, to understand what we're talking about with reference to salt, we have to put ourselves in Jesus' day and their understanding of salt, which is very different than our understanding of salt. So until about a hundred years ago, uh, when modern geology figured out how to find salt and saw that it was all over the place, salt was one of the world's most sought-after commodities. Many of you know from your history classes of old that salt was used as currency, and the Roman soldiers who would have been occupying Palestine were provided a salt allowance. That's how they were paid. It was called a solarium. And it's from that salt that we get the word salary as the same root word. And, and salt influenced trade routes and their cities and provoked and financed wars, secured uh, empires and inspired revolutions. Those of you who know the story of, of the peaceful uprising that Gandhi led against the British Empire know that it was salt that really uh, energized his, uh, his campaign. In the household where I live, we talk often about food and we talk about whether or not somebody is a salt person or a sweet person. And in our family, that boils down to chips versus cookies and cakes. In our family, there's more chips than cookies. And I spent this past week heavily in the Bible and uh, would like to tell you that salt is a, that our God is a salt God. I was joking with one of my sons that God likes chips more than cookies. So in the scriptures, there are many, 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 many references to salt. There are some references to honey, 
the land of honey, as you've heard, uh, and some references to sugarcane, but it's really all about salt. But the way the word salt is used is different. So we, when we call somebody salty, a salty dog, we talk about coarse language or their life experience, that salt is not in the Bible at all. That understanding of salt is not, not uh, a part of parlance in Jesus' day. So in the scriptures, salt, of course, is referred to as preservation, right? There's no refrigeration, so fish is salted, for instance. It is seasoning and food, and it is seasoning for sacrifices in the Hebrew tradition. So it would be very well known by the people of Jesus' day that it says in the book of Leviticus that, that all offerings are to be salted with salt. I love that expression, salted with salt. So even if you're having a grain offering, you're going to burn some grain in thanksgiving to God, to Yahweh, you would salt the grain. Salt is also seen as to ratifying covenants. In other words, there are David, King David has a covenant of salt with Yahweh. There are salt in rites of hospitality. There's salt as medicine. Salt is used to purify a pool, and it's also a metaphor for wit and wisdom. There are salty places. Do you remember that Lot's wife was turned into a pillar of salt? There's the city of salt, the valley of the salt, the sea of salt. Salt, 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 salt. Lots of salt. Okay, now let's get on to Jesus in salt. So Jesus says to us, which you hear in the scriptures this morning, for everyone will be salted with fire. I've been a priest for about 30 years. I've spent 30 years avoiding that sentence. Everyone will be salted with fire. So what's he talking about here? So this sentence is a transition from the saying before where Jesus is talking about fire. And there he's talking about the fires of Gihana. He's talking about the fires of hell. Gihana is, which in the Hebrew means son of Gina. I'm not saying the name quite correctly. It's a, it's a, it's a gorge on the southern side of Jerusalem, and it was the municipal dump. It's where people threw their stuff down into the gorge, and over time, the gorge had a fire that burned at all times to burn away the organic matter because that's where they put everything. And, and so when Jesus talks about about it gets translated as hell through time just before Jesus's day that dump became to symbolize eternal hell and when he's talking about fires perhaps what their conversation is about is purification so the fires burn in the dump in order to to purify it from the diseases that could run rampant there now we also realize that salt is used metaphorically as I said, Leviticus to salt the offerings. So what does it mean to say everyone, that's everyone, is going to be salted with fire? One way to think about this might be that the trials of our lives, we all have trials, there's nobody seated here or streaming in that does not have trials. The trials of our lives, at their best, have a purifying effect on our soul and that the trials of our lives are our offering to God. We, as they used to say in the Roman Catholic household, my mother grew up, offer it up. This was said, perhaps in some of the households you grew up, that the pain you're having is to be offered to the divine. And, and so to be salted with fire is to say, perhaps that the trials of our lives are best offered to God. There are many other interpretations also. 
Jesus then says, salt is good. Now, those who have high blood pressure might say salt's not so good, but salt is good. And if you ever wonder about that, just buy the soup that is salt-free from the store. It's like buying a can of tasteless liquid. Right? It has no taste. Saltless soup has no taste. And Jesus goes on to say another enigmatic line, but if salt has lost its saltiness, how can you season it? Well, salt cannot lose its saltiness at one level, right? Salt, salt is the only rock that we eat, at least we choose to eat, and it is a mineral, and therefore it doesn't break down. But the salt in the Middle East of Jesus' day was not pure salt. They didn't have pure salt as we have, and so it would be mixed with minerals and sand and, and gunk. And uh, if the salt content of all that leaches out, it's, it's useless, right? And so it says that it can be uh, thrown underfoot. In other words, if, you're, if your house is right on the street, you can just chuck it out the house where people walk by because it's, it's really just sandy minerals. Uh, in Luke, we hear that salt isn't even worthy of going into the manure pile. I love it when Jesus gets into things like manure piles. Uh, but whatever it is, it is something of no value. So metaphorically speaking, what might we say about saltless salt other than perhaps it represented false teachers? But really, I think the best way to think about it is saltless salt is uh, it's, it's for a person or for a community that has lost its divine energy. Doesn't mean it's not, it doesn't exist. It just doesn't have, it just doesn't have that energy, that, that liveliness that reflects the divine. So then Jesus goes on and says, have salt in yourself and be at peace with one another. So let me say that again. Have salt in yourselves. I know some people with high blood pressure are trying to get the salt out of themselves, but Jesus is talking about have salt in yourselves. And then we go back to other usages of salt that uh, Jesus has. And we have that in Matthew, for instance, where Jesus says to his followers, you are the salt of the earth. So in other words, to be a salty disciple means that you're a living example of the power and grace of God. You, you have something to you. My mother used to say, he's not worth his salt, which was my mom saying, mm, has no value. To be the salt of the earth is to say, you have divine value in the life of all humanity. In other words, Jesus is saying to his followers, you are to be the salt in the world's stew pot, right? You're to give the life of the world its zest. Then Jesus goes on to say, be at peace with one another. So as you know, in the Gospels, there is a tremendous amount of arguing, a tremendous amount of conflict. And all of the Gospel stories go on an exponential curve up with conflict. It starts in a low level in Jesus' life, but as he moves toward Jerusalem and we're moving toward Jerusalem, the conflict increases, increases, increases. And we see in the scriptures that the conflict, the argumentation, the lack of peace is amongst the disciples. Remember a Sunday or two ago, they were arguing who would be the greatest amongst them. And then, of course, Jesus seems constantly to be in conflict with the religious authorities. And even the question where the scriptures, the stories that Father Justin just read, uh, with John saying, you know, he's not one of us. He's not one of us. 
So to say that we are to be at peace with one another is at some level to say we are to sit around the common table and to share salt. In other words, pass the salt. I would like you to know that the scriptures are written not only to, to individuals, but they're written to congregations. They're written to religious communities. And I would like to claim that we at St. Mark's are a salty community. In other words, the people of our parish life, our greater life, and those who join us from afar in the stream, salt their lives with Christ. They season their lives with divine love, and Christ changes the flavor of those lives. Imagine life without any reference to the living Christ in your life, without any reference to the reality of God in your life, and what you'll find is your life has, would have a very, very different flavor. Secondly, when, it says, when Jesus says to have peace with one another, I'm reminded of Jesus' new commandment, the mondatum, this is Jesus' only commandment, and it comes uh, at the Last Supper, when he says that I give you a new commandment, to love one another as I have loved you. By this, the world will know that you are my disciples, that you have love for one another. And in being a community of love, the response on the Maundy Thursday service before we ritually act that out with the washing of the feet is, peace is my last gift to you, my own peace I now leave with you, peace which the world cannot give, I give to you. So that the, to live in a community of love that is not lost in argumentation is to begin to experience peace even in a wildly unpeaceful life, right? None of us live in complete peace, but it is not to say that the peace of God, which passes all understanding, does not reside deeply in our souls as a centerboard does in a ship that is tossed in the storms. And then thirdly, I'd like to claim for us that given that a little bit of salt goes a long way, I would say a little bit of the size of our parish goes a long way in the world. As a community of love in a broken world, we are able through the lives that we lead to extend that far and wide. And the world hungers for the salt of divine love. And it is delivered in the world through the lives of so many who gather at St. Mark's. And we as a parish, as a community of love, do well because we enjoy the spirit of the living Christ. The living Christ is the salt of the divine. And we seek to welcome all into our world with no stumbling blocks. We have so many people who join us, for instance, on the stream from far and from wide, who may not even be Christians, but they come to just hear the word and to see a community of love in action where Jesus says that uh, a biblical glass of water is never forgotten. All of us as individuals and all of us as a community seek to do far more than the biblical glass of water, the far more than just the minimum, to reach out to help the world in great need. Yesterday, at, uh, we had a wonderful 
confirmation. 300 people gathered here, 60 people confirmed. And what I was able to do at the end was to bring the bishop down to the Gospel Garden and to see his heart moved by the, the over 2,000 pounds of organic vegetables that are grown and brought in. This is an opportunity for us to give that biblical glass of water. And the life of the parish is salty because you, the people of the parish and the people of the stream, are salty in the biblical sense, that you reflect the power and the grace of the living God. And we as a parish also enjoy uh, a tremendous staff, a, an incredible group uh, gathered, the sum of whom's parts are greater. I mean, the, the, the whole is greater than all of the parts put together. But I want you to know as we gather here on this Stewardship Sunday that we as a parish and a gathered people of God are in need of resources, of financial resources, to keep the great machinery of the ministry that is so full, full and alive with the living Christ going. And so today we are kicking off the Inspired by Love campaign. It is two campaigns in one mission, our mission to be salty uh, in Jesus' uh, understanding of the, of the words, and our two campaigns, first the annual pledge campaign, and the second a capital and endowment campaign. The annual pledge campaign, which we have every year, that is like the fuel that goes in the car. You can have a great car, uh, but if you have no fuel, it don't go nowhere. And so it is with us. We, we come before you every year to, to have you share your financial resources to go into the resources of the ministry of your parish where those resources can reach and touch lives that you and me as individuals could never reach and touch. In addition, we're, we're launching a, a capital and endowment campaign to sustain and to strengthen and to grow the ministry of the parish, which has such a salty effect on the world. And that campaign uh, has a piece for the endowment. And we really need to continue to grow our endowment because just when the world needs us the most, when the undulations of uh, financial life go down, they, people need their parish to be strong, and it is the endowment that gives us that strength uh, through time. And also our buildings, the ministry of our buildings, which serve the people of God and the greater community seven days a week and sometimes from dawn to dusk. All this we gather together, and Brian and Suzanne, our chairs are going to, are, of this campaign, are going to say a word in a bit about the campaign. But as I stand here finally and wrap up, I just want to give thanks to all of you because I can say for your clergy, we are utterly delighted to live our lives amongst such a salty group of folks. People who are salted with the divine and some of you who are salted in the contemporary sense. Find more sermons on our website at www.stmarksnewcanon.org.